With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Joining us on the program is a man who has played 76 tests for Scotland, 39 of those as captain, which is a record. He is second on Scotland's all-time point scorers list, played in two Rugby World Cups, and won many games for his nation. On the club scene, he has also played for Edinburgh, Gloucester, Clermont, and the Yuriasu, hopefully that's pronounced correctly, The Rocks. The man is Greg Laidlaw, and he joins me now from Japan. Konnichiwa, Greg, how are you at the moment? Yeah, konnichiwa, very well, thank you. Um, enjoying my time over here in, in Japan. Uh, are the D Rocks? We'll just we'll just call it. It's uh, slightly easier. So there we go. Sounds good. Uh, firstly, mate, we've got plenty I want to cover off with you. But uh, now that you're retired, you're not going to be lacing up the boots. You're not putting the shirt on. Is that a weird feeling? Still hearing that? Uh, I guess it is a little bit, mate. But it's it's something I've you know thought about for a long time and. Obviously, you know, I'm not getting any younger, mate. It's, I'm, I'm turning 38 this year, so I feel pretty lucky to have, to have played the game for, for this amount of time. And I think you, need, you obviously need a little bit of luck to, to get to this point. So, yeah, it's, it's something I've prepared myself for, uh, for for a period of time now. So I'm, I'm almost glad in a way, to be, to be quite honest. Uh, I believe you've indicated that you want to get into coaching and it is your uncle, Clark, who has been coaching New Zealand for... Uh, quite a while. Uh, have you spoken to him about the coaching scene at all? And uh, are we going to potentially see you as an assistant coach down here? Uh, well, so Clark's my cousin, uh, you know, first cousin. So Clark's dad and my dad are, are brothers. So um, I wouldn't have thought so any anytime uh, in the near future, but you know, never say never. I think, uh, you know, credit to, to Clark. I think he's he's obviously... I think he's pretty highly thought of in New Zealand. He's, he came over, I think, first with with Taranaki, uh, then a stage there with with the Hurricanes, sort of sandwiched either side with, with the seven. So uh, I caught up with him um, a couple of months back there, down in Hong Kong. I was over in, in Hong Kong with with NTT, uh, so it, it was great to see him uh, him over there. And uh, New Zealand won the Hong Kong sevens as well, so that was that was pretty cool. And um, Caught up with uh, Tomasi Thama as well, so that was quite nice because I used to I used to play a little bit of sevens back in the day against him as well, which was was great to see him. I want to talk to but talk to you, sorry, a bit about your career and look back on some of the things you've done. But you've spent the last few years playing in Japan, which is uh, being fantastic. Uh, but during your career, how much have you seen the kind of growth in rugby in Japan, and uh, in terms of like how the, the depth of rugby, the knowledge of rugby from the public, all those aspects of it. Yeah, you know, well, I think the you know certainly since I started and probably around that 2015 mark at the Rugby World Cup, when Japan uh, ended up being in South Africa and obviously a fantastic game. I think ever since then it's it's kind of sort of been growing, growing and growing, um, which is great to see. And I think it only takes now for anybody to have a quick look in at the the Japanese market in terms of the players that are that are playing over here uh, in Japan and. Yeah, but also the coaches as well, you know, I guess. And listen, I think, you know, there's a couple of things that the seasons are shorter. It's good money, uh, clearly, as well, for, for the most part. But I think, you know, it's it's a tough old sport. So, you know, you know, you can see why people do it. And 
and I, and I think the crowds are starting to slowly come as well. Uh, you know, after a bit of time, it, it was really disappointing. COVID uh, sort of struck when it did right off the off the back of the Rugby World Cup, and they had so much momentum after hosting a great World Cup. But I think it's starting to to come away again. Uh, you know, which is it's really it's really great to be involved in. What about the professional uh, professionalism in terms of the sport as well? Uh, I guess you know, we look at there's lots of clubs around and uh, it seems to be quite an attractive place for players like yourself. And even there's lots of guys, uh, New Zealand-based players like Aaron Smith is heading over to Japan post-World Cup as well. Yeah, listen, um, I think it, it obviously it depends club to club uh, in terms of that professionalism. But it's, you know, when you're attracting top coaches and, and, and all these all the clubs here are for anybody that doesn't know are linked to big companies. Uh, you know, so so some of the Japanese boys are essentially semi-professional. But yeah, put it this way, I don't see too many boys at our club uh, doing too much work for the company. So uh, would be fairly professional. And I think it was potentially Honda. I think they've came out and said that they're pretty much going full professional setup going into next season. Um, and you know, and as much as the clubs are linked to these big companies over here, the, the companies want to do well. It's it's a whole image thing for for Japanese companies and and they're really competitive and, and they want to do well. So it's that sort of driving the the, the professional side of the game over here. Uh, from a New Zealand perspective, there was the recent deal announced with Japanese rugby, the new partnership. They want to see the international sides play a bit more, and there was even a bit of discussion about some of the New Zealand Super Rugby sides having to go against some of the Japanese clubs. Uh, I know the Sunwolves had a crack a few years ago on Super Rugby and. Look, there were moments of of good of great moments for them, but some of the clubs that you've seen in Japan and how much you've seen the kind of game grow in your time over there, do you think that there could be a bit of competition there between the the some of those teams? Oh well, listen, I think the you know the New Zealand teams would, would definitely have the upper hand uh, currently, to, to be honest. But I think at the, the teams at the top end, you you obviously Panasonic's Suntory had a bit of a. Uh, a shorter year for them uh, this season in terms of the performance, but Kubota actually went on and won the, the competition. So I think uh, the teams at the top end, yeah, you know, I think they they would go all right, you know, for, for the most part. But I guess the the difference would probably come down to the skill sets, you know. I would, I would imagine, uh, obviously, the Kiwis exemplary skill sets, and and that's probably one you know facet of the game over here, and, and certainly at the club Ama is is probably where we need to close the gap a little bit uh, around some of that skill set stuff. Probably learned some of the set piece uh, stuff as well. So, but I think again in terms of growing the game. Uh, you know, potentially opportunities, I guess, for for New Zealand teams, New Zealand corporations to to get into the Japanese market. It's it's a smart thing to do because you look at the way rugby is uh, now throughout the world. You know, it has to be financially, uh, you know, sustainable. So potentially looking at you know different revenue streams and stuff like that. It's it's hugely hugely important. Uh, you know, for everybody to be generating uh, money. And I have to ask about uh, the, the culture and food over in Japan. How does it compare to some of the other places you've been? Obviously, you know, you got some nice decor there and in, in, in your background there. Yeah, uh, it probably doesn't compare to, <laughs> to anywhere else I've been um, in terms of, you know, the food's obviously a fair bit different, um, you know, sort of general culture. But, you know, what we love about the culture is, is I guess, in many ways, and, and I guess I'm speaking, you know, from obviously coming from the UK and Scotland is, we seem to have lost a bit of respect from that part of the world, you know, especially to you know the older uh, generation or elders, uh, and and that's not the case at all over here in Japan. I really love that, 
you know, the, not, not, and I guess it's not just young people to the elders. It, it's everybody who has that, you know, respect, whether it's the, the sort of bowing or, you know, and just, just being nice people, you know what I mean? And I, I really see that here in Japan. My kids are uh, they're at international school, but, you know, they're already speaking Japanese and, and depending on, you know, what sports they're doing on, on what night, there's there's a little bit of bowing involved to the coaches and stuff. And, and I really like that sort of element of Japanese life. We're talking with former Scotland captain here, Greg Laidlaw. I just want to look back on your career as well. You achieved so much, uh, but I have to ask off, is there things that you wish that you you did achieve, whether that was playing a test for the Lions? Uh, I think you were reti- you retired just before it happened, but you know Scotland were meant to come down here and play the All Blacks in 2020, but then COVID uh, put a stop to that. So are there, are there a couple of things that you wish you did you wish you did do during your career? Um, well, you know, the easy answer is is yes, and you know, but you know, I worked extremely hard at my career, and and the thing that I can rest easy on is, you know, I left no stone unturned in terms of the the due diligence I done, how professional I was, and I probably squeezed the most I possibly could out of my out of my body and, and out of my mind. But yeah, listen, I, of course, I would have loved to have, have been involved in a, in a test match. Obviously, I was down in, in the tour in New Zealand in two thousand and seventeen. I uh, never played in a test, sadly, but that was an awesome trip. It was a great tour and probably probably some of my best memories, um, you know, from, from playing rugby, certainly professional rugby, definitely. Um, I would have loved to have played down in New Zealand uh, with Scotland as well. I think, you know, we've got a bit of a connection, obviously, from years gone by, uh, you know, with people obviously, you know, moving over to New Zealand and, you know, uh, and I, I would have always loved to have came down. And, and because, you know, New, New Zealand's, it's one of the, the great challenges, isn't it, for, for rugby players to come down. And, you know, if time would have allowed it, I would have loved to I came down at some point and, and played uh, super rugby or something, you know, if that would have ever worked. Uh, so, yeah, there are the, a couple of things I would have loved to have done, but the seasons didn't really marry up in terms of playing internationally, so it was, it was probably never never a gore. What about some of the moments that stood out for your career in terms of, when I look back and, and I watch you play, there were so many moments where you kicked a penalty, you scored a try, which won the game for Scotland. I, I remember the, I think it was the the drizzly, horrible night in Newcastle, the, the, the try against yeah. Samoa in the World Cup. Um, is there one moment that stands out over the rest? Uh, it's a, it is a difficult one because, you know, fortunately for me, there, there's been a few good ones, uh, and, and it's a tough job playing for Scotland sometimes. But probably for me, it would be because it's, I guess, culturally for us in Scotland, um, winning the Calcutta Cup uh, against England, two thousand eighteen at Murrayfield is probably the, yeah, it's it was a big one. It's probably the loudest I've ever heard the stadium. Um, well, we had a good night after it, put it that way. Uh, but I mean, the game in Newcastle that that was pretty awesome as well against Australia. Yeah, so there's definitely a couple, you know, straight away when you when you think about it, when you, when you get asked that question, uh, you know, certainly some good memories that you can look back and and certainly have a smile about. I don't have the question written down, but that game in 2018, good to get your thoughts on it as well. But as someone that watches the, the game, that that the try that Shaw Maitland scored. That started from that Finn Russell pass. I, I, it's one of the the moments, rare moments in sport, which that pass just lives in my head. It was that that try was just sensational. It was pretty special, wasn't it? And I think I've, I remember that one not vividly, but 
sort of because we were quite deep in our half, I think maybe just outside our 22 on the, on the left hand side there as, as we were playing up. And you know, Finn's when he got quite animated, obviously, he's, he's clearly wanting the ball, so you know, I'd sort of dig into the ruck and get the ball out as quick as I can. And and he let this pass go. And obviously, I'm kind of in the, the same line of it, and I'm thinking, I'll you know, oh, shit, here's a, here's an interception coming, you know. And uh, but he, he just chucked it, put so much fizz on it, it flew straight over. I think it was. Jonathan Joseph, I think it's straight over the top of his head and um and it's huge on just hand, I think it was, and he just bust straight up the field and then we had another couple of rucks and then he, he chucked another lovely pass over to Shawnee Maitland, as you said, going from right to left this time to score in the uh in the top left hand corner, as it were. Uh it was a fantastic try and, and definitely one that, that I can remember fairly easily as well. Of course, he came down here for the Lions tour in 2017. What was what was some of your memories of coming down here for that? Oh, great memories! That that was it was a real good trip for us. I think it was a little bit, I guess, a little bit old school in in some senses. I think you know we probably you know probably had a few drinks here and there, which which was kind of encouraged. And uh, but but it was great fun, and I think because of the way it was structured, like we it was so busy for like for us as as lions, we'd literally play a game. You know, sleep, get up in the morning, sort of recover, and then move again, and then almost I think it was day off training and, and almost play again. So there wasn't too much time to like train in between. But I think you know that the whole sort of moving about and and seeing you know large parts of New Zealand, albeit and it was quick and you know a lot of, you know obviously rugby stadiums, but it, it was just such a great test and to see the you know I guess the, all the Lions fans who travelled over, you know all the New Zealand fans who were clearly you know right behind their country. Uh, you know, it was such a fantastic occasion uh, to be involved in. And look at looking back at some of those games. Well, you you guys had only been here a handful of days, and then you're running out against the the provincial barbarian side. Uh, I think was it you played six games? Am, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think it was yeah, six games. I pretty much played most of the midweekers. Started uh, maybe three or four of them, and. Um, you know, I, I loved the tour. You know, I played, I played quite a lot of rugby, probably more than I, I maybe thought I was, I was actually going to get uh, when I was there. But that that first game was honestly it was horrible for us. We, I think we'd turned up in New Zealand maybe two days before uh, because of the length of the season um, in the UK. There were still a couple of teams that had made finals. They were they were still finishing up, and so it was literally it was. I think there was chat of like the boys that weren't playing in these finals would travel early, and anyway, it never turned out to be the case. So. We turned up uh, a couple of days before. I think it was the day before we even we, we were staying further, a little bit further south, and then we got on the bus north. And yeah, there was a few dusty bodies. Uh, that's for sure. Turning up to that that first game, we probably never put in our best performance. But uh, obviously, the was it New Zealand Barbarian, provincial Barbarians? Is that what they were called? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they played well. You know, it was obviously a sort of cup final for them, and basically for us, is just don't get beat. So we we managed to just get across the line and. Um, you know, it was, it was a great occasion for me because it was the first time I played for the Lions, so you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, what about some memories playing the All Blacks? I believe you made your test debut in 2010 against the All Blacks, and then I think you played against them again in 2014. And I actually had it written down, but I went back in the archives and it turned out I was wrong. But the one test I wanted to touch on was 2017, which was when Stuart Hogg was tackled into touch, like meters from the line and i don't know if you were there or not but i just i was kind of curious to know like what what your perspective on that because i don't know if you were there and there was probably a brief moment where 
I know for myself, I was watching and thought, oh my God, he's going to score here. Yeah, I th- I played them again as well because I, I you know I got my first cap against them, and then they must have came back over. I can't remember because I, I actually played ten against them. And it must it was before twenty fourteen, so yeah, it doesn't leave much to it. So it was either twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. So because we ran them, we ran them fairly close in twenty fourteen. I think I actually missed a bad kick. I think it was to go in front or to, to extend the lead or something. It wasn't too much long <laughs> longer left in the game. So. I'll probably better take the blame for that one. I left it out to the right hand side. It's yeah, one I still remember. But anyway, twenty seventeen was I was injured. Um, I I got injured potentially in that Six Nations, and and I couldn't play. But yeah, the Hoggy was uh, pretty close to uh, running that one in, wasn't he? It was boring Barrett that I got across and he, that sort of speed endurance of his. He probably got New Zealand out of jail and. And I think that's probably some of the progression you've you've seen from from Scotland, uh, you know, over uh, over the last couple of seasons, uh, playing real positive rugby. We've got dangerous players, um, you know. And we just need to try and get a couple of more of these tight games across the line. Well, I think I looked. And I think the last three games between you guys and New Zealand have been fairly close. I don't want to say they're all within ten, but they're kind of in that kind of ten to twelve mark. So. I, I I believe, and this is me being biased, I think that one will come eventually. Looking ahead to uh, the World Cup, uh, Scotland played some great rugby in the Six Nations. They're in a very tough pool, though, and there is a possibility that even if they get out of the pool, that they could face New Zealand. Uh, I, get, I, bet you're, I bet you're kind of glad you're not going to be playing in some of those games. <laughs> yeah, well, that's one of the nice things about being retired. You know, you don't have to stress too much about that these days, but Listen, I'll, I'll be right behind the boys in terms of if Scotland um, or Scotland are going to have to play extremely well, probably on two occasions, uh, certainly one, you know, to, to get out of the pool. Yeah, there's no denying that. And I think the, the quicker they front that as, as a group, uh, the better that is for everybody because obviously they're, they're going to have to beat Ireland, who are number one ranked team in the world, or they're going to have to beat the, the reigning world champions, <laughs> South Africa. So, it's a tough task, yeah, clearly, but I think for anybody that tuned into the Six Nations and, and watched the, the Scotland Ireland game, um, you know, Scotland, although Ireland, you know, had a lot of injuries and stuff, and they did do incredibly well to win that game. You know, Ireland, you know, knew they were in a test match. Um, and I think Scotland can look at other games as well when they played against France. Over in France, that was a test match they probably could have won uh, against the great French team uh, also. So, They've just got to understand that, listen, boys, you know, if we play to pretty pretty much our maximum, uh, you know, and, and we can win a test match against one of these teams, you know, we, we give ourselves a great shot of of getting out of this group. Uh, but obviously it's it's going to be hugely hard and they're going to, they're going to have to peak at the right time. Probably, do you think it will help with the future of Gregor Townsend kind of settled? Because I guess that was that could potentially have been lingering in the background throughout the Six Nations and whether he was going to be staying on after the World Cup and hopefully as well, a couple of guys will be back from injury as well. Um, well, you know, I certainly hope it helps because we're going to need absolutely everything to, to go our way to, you know, to all for all the stars to align um, in, in many senses. So, but, you know, once it comes down and when you sort of get into the game, you know, that stuff doesn't really come into it. But I think, you know, Gregor's obviously had time and, and that sort of cohesion and the, the players sort of understanding of how he wants to play and how they train, you know, that, that can really help a team. And I think that's probably one of the reasons, you know, why is, is because he's had that length of time 
and you know probably why Scotland are you know playing consistently better currently. So you know hopefully with him and the backroom staff fairly settled, they they can keep that momentum going through to uh, and into the Rugby World Cup. I uh, got a couple more if it's all right, Greg. Um, 2015 World Cup against Australia was that probably the uh, angriest you've been on the field? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've been angry a few times um, over my career, but oh, that was oh, that was different. It was more, you know, I guess a bit of shock at the time. Not obviously, I've been asked about this a lot, a lot of times, and not so much even, you know, I think the correct decision should have been a scrum at the time it was accidental offside or one of those of you guys that touched it first or something, and so it was. It was probably more obviously we just wanted the the opportunity to to sort of see that game out. Uh, it was was the biggest one for us, so. Yeah, probably was in terms of anger as well at the time, but you know it happened a lot of fair few years ago now. So we, you know, you just got to move on, I guess, and take it on the chin, and you know try and learn from it, I guess, as well. Well, I'd hate to think what it's like out on the field because I watch every Scotland game, Greg, and uh, uh, it's been a few upsetting moments. Um, but uh, lastly, I wanted to ask you, what is the one thing you are most excited about retirement, and what's the one thing you're not going to miss about playing? Oh, certainly won't miss you know big units running down my channel. That's for sure. Uh, you look at the game now in terms of this, some of the, the size of some of the boys. I watched Larachelle v Leinster in the, the Heineken Champions Cup final there at the weekend. And some big old units running about now. And, and not so much just big boys, either, like big, powerful units as well. And So that's I certainly won't miss that. What I'm looking forward to outside of the game, hopefully a bit more time with the family. Uh, certainly in the short term, but also also my golf game as well. Looking forward to trying to get that back back on the rails, mate, and uh, get some sort of consistency going with that because my golf game's all over the shop at the minute. <laughs> you and mine both. Uh, well, Greg, thank you so much for your time and uh, agreeing to speak to me today. I know you're being very busy. Uh, it's been an honour to chat some rugby with you as someone that uh, loves watching Scotland because uh, my family's from there. I'm a first-generation Kiwi and... I wear my Scotland uh, with a lot of pride. So thank you so much uh, for this opportunity and uh, all the best with your future endeavours. Pleasure. Thank you very much.